Hi, and welcome to Women Who Love Jesus. My name is Kristen Stockfish, and this is episode 11. I am so, so excited to bring you Jamie Lasea today, you guys. She is someone that I would say I kind of like girl crushed on when it came to a mentor when I lived in Santa Barbara. I saw her from afar, got to meet with her maybe a couple times, and the wisdom that oozes out of this woman, I was just like, how is it that I get nearer to her? And I know she's probably going to listen to this and be like, wow, that girl is kind of a stalker. And it's probably a little true, but Jamie is someone that I knew when it came to the subject of marriage that I had to have on this show. She and her husband, Scott, have three boys that are now grown and they live in Santa Barbara, of course, the most beautiful place on the planet that I miss every single day, especially when it's July in Austin, Texas. But she drops some crazy knowledge for us today, you guys. If you are married or you desire to be married, you need to listen through the entire episode. The kind of things that I learned, the kind of things that have shaped my marriage, even in the days that have followed this interview, I cannot tell you guys. So please be listening for the thing that she says indicates more than any other thing, whether or not couples are going to stay together. What is that thing? Listen for it because that has changed the game in so many ways for me in Austin, even in the last couple weeks that we've been practicing this. So listen for that and I will see you on the other side. I don't know if you will remember this, but before we moved, we had this coach's retreat at this kind of random house in Summerland, and you and your husband, Scott, came and talked to a handful of coaches, and you were asked to talk about marriage, to pour into coaches and their marriages just from your own experience and what God had done in you and through you guys, and I remember sitting there and watching you guys just kind of play off of each other and go back and forth, and I thought, this might be like out of all the marriages that I've witnessed, it's, mm-hmm. it seems fun, but it mm-hmm. seems like reverent of the Lord at the same time. It really believes in his idea of marriage, but at the same time, they don't take themselves too seriously. It was almost like this beautiful combination of we take the, the things that need to be taken seriously, very seriously. And then the things that don't, we just don't. And that was so refreshing for me to see. And something that I know I have just thought about in, in different seasons and different ways since then, just some of the things you said. So I'm pumped to talk to you about marriage today. Um, I remember that time. Yeah. Sitting in that living room full of coaches and yeah. And you know, marriage is intense. (laughs) There's no way around it. It's, it's an intense experience in life and so yeah we try to do what you said and you know we always say when we speak about marriages or we try to encourage young couples or we've done some retreats we say if you ever want to work on your marriage then say yes to speaking about marriage and then you'll start you know so we have had our own humbling journey just trying to capture what we think is real and helpful and it always surfaces like all of us married would know inevitably hard things that we have to face too, you know, so it's always all going on. So I'm I'm able to just share a little bit today and, you know, see where we go. Why do you think it's so intense? Like we, we can all, anyone who's married or has witnessed a marriage up close would say yes to that. But why do you think it's so intense? Yeah. I just think, you know, if you want to be roommates or business partners, 
or even co-parents. If you, if you want to, if that's your goal, if that's your highest aim, you know, that's one level of cooperating and collaborating and having common goals. You can have a great mission purpose statement, you know, on any of those things. But I think marriage and oneness and what God has in mind, there's, there's just no escaping the, the thousand deaths we all go through, oh <laughs> the facing gosh. of ourselves, the walking alongside someone who watches you get to the end of your good side and you go right on into your ugly and then there, you know, and you're there to watch <laughs> it and witness it and recover from it, hopefully, and grow to become something more. But I just think it's just, there's, there's no hiding in a marriage, especially a marriage that wants to be something special. And yeah. I think that's why it's, it's a good intense and it's a hard intense, but yeah. it can be a silly, you know, there, there can be some silliness that we need to it, but there's no dodging the, the intensity, I think. Yeah. And I feel like that has only, the intensity has only intensified in this quarantine season. Like the mm -hmm. things that I used to get away with, cause he would, I don't know, <laughs> go to work, you know, like anything like that. Now right. it's like, oh, this intensity has only gotten more intense with exactly. everything that's happening in our world. And so, yeah, it's the perfect way to describe it. I couldn't have described it better than that, but I, I would love to kind of take our listeners through a little bit of a marriage journey, just through like different markers as far as maybe years go. So let's start with the people that are listening, the women, maybe a couple men that are listening and they are wanting to be married one day. They're not married right now, um, but they want to be. Is there anything that you would say to that girl specifically that wants to be married and wants to know if there's anything she can do in the here and now to prepare herself for marriage or if it's the kind of thing you just have to get married and then you kind of know exactly not exactly what to do but then you know at least what you're up against yeah I think that's such a great question such a relevant question I have many friends that are single of all ages um mm -hmm. uh and and still kind of in a posture of trusting the Lord for the next season. Um, and so I've had a lot of discussions, you know, with a lot of friends about this, um, whatever season you're in, I would just want to encourage you that it's, it's, it's really an important season. Like you don't have to wait for importance, even though there's some hopes and dreams we might have that we're waiting on. I would just want to maybe highlight how valuable the season could actually be to our singleness and to our married life, whatever timing, whatever the Lord has to come. So I guess specifically, I'd say, as I think about all that's happened in my life or even my single friend's life or whatever's going on, it's really important. I think we really underestimate just how important it is to really understand our significance and our worth to God, mm -hmm. like just in our own space. And it doesn't come because we get married or because we have kids that we're actually so deeply significant and, and worthy uh, of, of his love. He's said that not because of something we've done, but just, he said it. So to, to kind of dive into that is so worthwhile and, and so helpful um, over and over again in our lives, but maybe particularly when you're in a period of waiting. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, some themes um, that God knows everything about us. We often say the the truest thing about God is what he says about himself, not about what we feel, think, or perceive about him. It's what he says about himself in the same way. The truest thing about us 
is what God says about us, not what we think, see, or feel, or hear from others. It's really actually what he says about us. And that's okay. just so key, like to form the essence of who we are. And he says we're significant, worth everything, valuable, um, that he's constantly working for our good. He's constantly intimately involved. He thinks about us constantly. Psalm 139, I love this verse that says, how precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn towards me. And when I awaken in the morning, you are still thinking of me. Mm -hmm. uh, this says that we're important. We're at the top of the list and, and not collectively, but even individually, that he has that capacity. And it, it leads us to the final verses in Psalm 139, where it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. We're, we're humbled at the love and the significance that he's put on us. And it leads us to a searching for our health. Like, search me, God, make me healthy, make yeah. me ready to live like I'm loved, you know? And I would just say, I guess, to single people that you are in a really important time, whatever age you're at, it's a great time to intentionally, persistently minimize outside expectations and voices and the world's comparisons that we, that we constantly could feed into. They never help us. We're incomparable. We're one of a kind people. And when we, we, we connect that with his love for us and his hope and his plan and his journeying with us, I think it, that that's to me the most valuable thing you could give to yourself in singleness. And it's the most valuable thing you could bring into a marriage. Hmm. Um, just a great time to aim for your health, your security. Let that be the loudest voice in your life. And if that means minimizing the others, it's worth every moment of it to minimize the lies and play into the truth that you are loved and to grow and live like you're loved. And this is, this is fantastic while you're single to live that way. And it's even it, it, when two people come together and they come from these spaces, it's limitless what the Lord can do in two loved people's lives. Yes, totally. So, oh, I love that so much. There's so much I want to say, but I think the <laughs> idea that it's, it's almost like the best gift you could give to your future spouse is just the heart work to really believe like from your head down to your heart of your own worthiness based off of what God says about himself and says about us. I think um, that I anticipated as a newly married person a decade or so ago that I would get married and some of the insecurities that I had would dissipate because it's like, well, now look, there's this guy that loves me, you know, so obviously all yeah. these things I was insecure about, those are going to go away. And it was the exact opposite. And I know any married person just knows this to be true, that the things the dark corners, the little pieces of myself that I maybe was a little bit vulnerable about, or there were insecurities, those were only intensified. And I felt a little bit sometimes like it was, there were just mirrors everywhere and not like nice looking ones, but like fun mirrors that made me look not my best in any way, shape or form. And so the idea that you could enter into it and do the work with the Lord now to right. present yourself even more whole and healthy and um, believing God and what he says about you, man, what a gift to that right. spouse. What a gift to really the world, because if there's less that you have to do 
within your marriage when it comes to working on that like there's even more that you get to do for the kingdom of god so that's really cool truly for our own thriving too i think you're absolutely right and i would just want to encourage because we don't know how long the wait's going to be a lot of us are waiting for different things in our lives and in singleness we don't know and even though we could try to help ease that that pain of that we, we none of us know exactly and so in the meantime it's for our thriving to be that centered in that love it really does change our life to invest in that voice of God and that belief um, that, that you are significant. You're one of a kind. There's no one else like you. And he has a journey that is for your thriving. Yeah. You know, just to know that as a single person, um, not easy. I'm not slapping something easy. I'm thinking that's a deep work that yeah. has so many benefits in singleness and in marriage. Yeah. And it's the same story now. Like I can see it in my daughters, but I, I also being years and years into marriage, this, when I get just a glimpse of God's affection for me and like the truth of how deep his love actually goes for Kristen, like I still, that, that is still what drives me and something that still blows me away. So yeah, that, but I love that idea that even when we're hopeful for marriage, that's something that we're hoping for. It can be a really vulnerable space to be in the place where you're hoping for something that you really, really want and you're waiting for it and you have prayed and the prayers feel stale and you don't know what else to do. That space can be really hard. It can be really vulnerable. But the idea that that is not wasted and God has great ideas for the thriving right where you are. Um, I mean, I think so many of us just may even think of this quarantine season, single or not. I was talking to a friend of mine who's single and she said, I feel like I'm just a year of my life has been wasted. And that is just, it's such a real feeling that I feel like probably a lot of us have felt just with what's going on. But I can see, I like see in the single demographic how that could be extra just almost personal and the pain because a lot of what they desire is is not something that is within their home right now and so um anyway that the idea that even in a quarantine season and even in the midst of a worldwide pandemic that there is something that god is doing for our thriving is just a really good promise jamie i love that i um i want to just talk to the people that are either newly engaged or just married and they're like so in love and so excited and we love that about them like it inspires me my sister just got married and seeing them and seeing their love I'm just like oh like that is just it's awesome and it, it, it can't be duplicated I just love it I love that season so much so speak to those people and what you would say based off of what you just have seen or what you experienced yourself with Scott or just kind of anything that you want to speak to to them. I, when I think about that season, beautiful and wondrous early season, I, I think back, I guess, our experience, some things that, that really ended up blessing us. And I would really always encourage young couples, pre-marriage and, and into the early years is it, it always, it was it was a great time. We still do it, but particularly at that time when you're setting some trajectories together, I think, mm -hmm. you know, that goes on for like, you're setting, you're setting some foundations. And so some early things that, that were really great for us were seeking out wisdom and voices that would speak into our love and our relationship and a relationship that included our faith and, um, and how and who that is, you know, these days, I guess that can be over zoom as well as anything, but 
Scott and I would really watch and we had a desire. It depends on maybe a, the culture that you've grown up in, but we always encourage, and it's never too late to start kind of a seeking out of mentor voices always in our lives. We still do that. And we, I imagine doing that to my, to the finish of my life, who, who can speak into my life that has wisdom that has different experiences than I, it, the same time I really admire them or I respect or I see faith alive. I see love of Jesus alive in their life and yeah. loving others. It's just something that seems sound and seems like, you know, if you don't know those people, I, I think it's a great prayer. Pray for those people together. Yeah. Pray who, who could come alongside and build you up. And so Scott and I have just accepted that we've entered into marriage limping <laughs> and, you know, with our own stories, every marriage does, but, uh, you know, you, you enter in kind of like with your own smaller version that God wants to say, I actually have a bigger version of oneness than you could have even imagined. And then he uses people. So I'd say that in the early seasons, getting um, couples, whether you're meeting weekly or it's a two-year commitment, sometimes those things can be rather daunting. Just even inviting into a couple of isolated conversations, just like right now. Could you tell us about your season? Could you tell us some of the things we're talking about over this podcast? Could you tell us about your experience, where the Lord was at and that? How, how did you grow? Just giving us models and handles of how to do that faithfully in a man and a woman in front of us and figure that out. Those have been key. Uh, I'd say, and also people who could talk authentically about that. We don't want the, the bestseller version of the, you know, 10 chapters of this. We actually want, how did, how did you get through it? How, how did the Lord meet you there? Um, we, we did early prayer. I'd say some good things. If there's anything that you're limping from, that you're recovering from, whether it's family or sin, it seems like all of us enter into this relationship broken. We prayed against bitterness for uh, some things that we had to deal with. We prayed against some things that I remember Scott kind of leading that. I didn't really have that language for that, but I am so thankful he did. I remember like, you know, while <laughs> he was praying, I think if I could have had a shocked face in prayer with our eyes closed, I'd be like, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess we should pray for that and pray about that because some of those things take root in ways that are surprising. You know, we don't always realize that we kind of have to pray against and pray out some of the junk, you know? That's good. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't realize. Um, and I'd say early on, I always want to mention that, you know, we somehow we ended up uh, with our hearts. The Lord showed us some ways to do ministry together alongside one another. And for any of us who have done that in seasons, you know, you, you that's always an exercise of the faith muscle to just make your life not about yourself yeah. and to do that together. Um, was really rich early on. Again, trajectory setting. We've always kind of had a hunger to keep a mission purpose alive, not just our life only about our nuclear family, but that we have some output that our love flows out through Christ. And so doing that at a really young age, we before we were married, we did Young Life Ministry was kind of our um, mission. And we did that for years and just had kids in our house and took kids on trips together. I discipled girls, Scott, you guys, we do co-ed co studies. You know, I know you and Austin have had some of that through FCA as well. And mm -hmm. these are just great opportunities. I think it's a huge thing to share ministry, to share otherness in your oneness. That's, and that's good. good. Wow. Yeah. That can be quoted. I'm just going to remember that. And something that I think just like the mentor prayer, mm -hmm. I could see God loving to answer that prayer. That if it's like 
man, I don't do anything ministry wise with my spouse. What could that be? Especially in this season, Lord, what do you have for us? I think just in the same way that I have prayed for mentors. And I think that God is so jazzed to be able to provide me with women that might shape me to look more like him. I think the same is true if our desire in wanting to serve or do something like that with our spouses to really bring him glory, but also for our own oneness, I think that's something that he would love to answer, you know? So I I think that's great. You're right. Such good wisdom. I think, um, I think of the maybe five years is when it starts to get not, not so newly married anymore. Maybe there's kids or not that are entering the picture. Um, mm-hmm. or have a little bit earlier, but can you think of, I know that's a pretty specific number, but like the five to 10, like right before a decade um, season of marriage, is there anything that stands out to you or anything that you would want to speak to there for the couples represented that might be in that season? Mm. Such a great question. And I think it's so important. I just want to say how much I just love you, Kristen, and just your heart to kind of expose the realities and have people talk about this really. Because I guess what I found when I look back is I think it's maybe even sometimes in Christian culture, we don't always get some of the real talk. We get some of the helps. And so anyways, I'm, I'm, thank you for asking. I think, I think you're right. We know that in five to 10 years, that's typically when kids come on the landscape for many, not all. Um, And studies show that marital satisfaction goes down when kids come on the scene, sadly, you know, um, it doesn't mean that you don't value your kids and love them with everything you've got, but your marital satisfaction becomes more challenged when kids come on the scene. That's just a fact. Um, your friendship with your spouse gets challenged in ways, um, when you have kids, responsibilities, career changes, this happens anywhere from five to 10. And really throughout, if we got into later years, disappointments kind of come in the five to 10 years. Some of the invincible things that we feel in our teens and our early twenties, if we haven't had something really hard happen. And that's a lot of us. Thank the Lord that it's kind of held at bay for a while, but usually something happens. There's some diagnosis in a family or a child or, um, or a loss of a job or a lack of performance that you thought you could do. There's something that starts challenging identity and well-being. For us, I'll just, you know, say we have our second son, we have three sons. Our second son was born with some heart, um, severe, like uh, life-threatening issues. He, so we've been through some heart surgeries and things, and that was in that five to 10 year window. And uh, so when I talked about the early times, that trajectory setting, that foundation that you're building, right, the next season coming, is, is going to somehow way, shape or form is going to challenge um, that. And, and you're going to be relying on something. And so it's really interesting. I mean, that, that was terrifying. Um, it, it, uh, kind of the death, uh, one of the earlier questions you said, what, what brings about death? And I thought that question was interesting because it's kind of, I think you're implying some death in a good way, but I would say like in like hard things coming, they're kind of part of, um, shattering some ideas that you had about your life. And I think we all go through that. You have an idea of what this is supposed to be like, whether it's about your marriage and that relationship, thought it was going to be roses. Of course, none of us would say that, but we might actually expect <laughs> that we were hoping maybe we'd be the spared ones and it would be more like roses, you know? So there's, that's that real reality, like what is expectations kind of doing to us? And then you have something like a sick child and 
infant heart surgeries and things going on. And you're like, wait, it's kind of shattering. Like I, I kind of was living like without choosing it, without knowing it. I was living a lot of these things were the landscape of what made me feel confident in the Lord and joyful in the Lord and his promises, you know, all those things. Again, these aren't bought out to the exclusion of that, but it gets tested when it gets put right in your lap, right? In a different way. Yeah. And yeah. the cool thing about that, I guess one is to just, if this is hard to hear, if you're engaged and you're thinking, no, I don't really want to hear that. I, it is hard to hear, but it's also, I guess, take, take courage and comfort in the oneness that the Lord's leading as you enter into marriage, that he's given everything in our oneness to handle everything. So I, if I could encourage you anything being 31 years into marriage and facing some hard things I can say more about, it's that in your oneness, he's actually given you the unity of the Holy Spirit kind of in your midst to face everything. And so uh, it can be daunting to hear, but let me tell you about some of the benefits, if I could, about those hard things. So with our son and facing those surgeries and that, you know, so we, so we lose kind of this illusion of a trouble-free life, of a threat-free life until we're... 85, you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe we won't have to deal with anything till then. Well, no one, that doesn't happen to anyone um, to that degree. So we face that, but what happens is a couple things that couldn't have happened without it is that life, um, finding hope in life while you're facing hard things, it, it almost disempowers in some ways the hard things. Now, again, I'm not choosing that. If Even in my right mind, I wouldn't choose that again. None of us would choose the trial. But it's not only about overcoming it or just putting all of our faith in God. It's actually a game changer in life, in quality of life, in freedom and faith, to know, to be confident that there is freedom and joy even as you face that hard thing, that, that failure that really big disappointment. I mean, I still have disappointment. I can carry disappointment that my son deals with health challenges. But I also know that I experienced something beyond that. And we as a couple experienced something that we've kind of overcome it by God's grace, but we've overcome it. And that disempowers the threats that we, that we would fear and avoid at all costs, right? We would avoid that. But God actually got bigger through that somehow. And that's a good thing. And he is building an arm and a muscle of faith in your oneness to last your whole lifetime. So like you needed those early years of good mentors and stuff, you also need some of the, the challenge and the stretch and the uh, failure in yourself, you know, to go, I am relying on a God that's bigger than me right yeah. now. So there's some thoughts. I, I want to ask Jamie specifically about that let's say someone is in year seven or eight of their marriage, they can, they can sense what exactly what you're talking about when it comes to like, it's not the same as it used to be. Right. And so we're grieving that maybe a little bit because hard things have come into our life. And there's a way that you're describing to become more one. Mm -hmm. And then there's little subtle ways that you can become a little bit more distant. And I just, I just feel like there's probably someone listening that's like, that's where I am. I can see almost that like, it won't mean that we'll have a, a marriage maybe that ends in divorce, but I can see because of the hardships in our life, we're not growing closer right now. At least we're going like just subtly, just a little bit apart. Like yeah. what do you say to someone in that specific season? Yeah. 
Well, one, I would want to encourage you and applaud you for noticing it and for maybe being restless or unsatisfied with that. Um, I think the numbness that comes from carrying a lot of responsibility to adults, carrying a lot of responsibility in their home and kids, maybe parents, maybe their health, maybe companies, maybe you oversee different employees, maybe you're responsible for, the list goes on and on and on about the pressure that builds in life. And so it, it becomes um, comfortable to just make marriage, let's not, let's not push hard, let's not try for more, let's just kind of co, let, let's just be a comfortable, and, and what I'm about to say, I know that sometimes you just need to veg, I mean, we're right there with the rest of them, we watch the Netflix series, we, you know, we do all the veggie moments together so that you can just relax and just stop thinking for a while, so I'm not talking about letting go of all those restful places we can be to one another in a, in a marriage, but I'm talking about what you're talking about is, what what's happening really in the dynamics of our relationship maybe our friendship and so i would comment when scott and i do marriage retreats uh we've done those for years in the context of young life with staff couples and our heart has been for ministry couples but really any couples we're always talking about we've done a lot of reading on john gottman he's one of the front runners of studying marriages and he has this little pyramid. I won't comment on all of it. I'll just comment on the two biggest ones because if you're in that season heading into distancing happening, this is a great time to hear about this. The pyramid that John Gottman did all these studies. This is so fascinating. I just can't help but include this. He did these studies, thousands and thousands of couples. They would set up like a mock setting in an apartment and they'd have cameras and you know couples agreed to it but basically they just have to ask them to go in there and interact for 10 or 15 minutes nothing other than just sit at a table or do whatever they wanted but they they were knew they'd be viewed and he got to such he got studying their interpersonal like their body vibes and how they were interacting i think it's like 92 percent accuracy he got to the point him and those that would, would study this with him of whether that marriage would make it or not in the next 10 to 15 years. And it was just on studying and watching their interaction. And so then he creates this pyramid from biggest platform, like the bottom layer up to the top maybe, but the biggest foundational, the two that we spend. So Scott and I have decided, and this kind of, you can corroborate these things that he's speaking of that I'm gonna say with kind of a faith-based notion or other faith, faith writers also, but the two biggest ones, we know oneness God's given us, so we have a spiritual kind of bonding, but the two biggest kind of just people to people characteristics, one is friendship. That's the biggest indicator. If you can uh, maintain and invest and keep investing in a growing and a dynamic friendship, that's your number one way that, that your marriage will have what it takes to make it and survive and thrive. And the second one I could say a little bit more about is how can, do you reconcile? Do you actually repair or do you move on and blow through things? And then it has this residual long going effect. So mm -hmm. friendship and repair or reconciling. And so friendship, I'll just talk about that because I think in that five to 10 to seven to eight years that you mentioned, this is a key time to, it's really easy in a relationship when you enter to kind of rely on the, on the, the early years of falling in love and that friendship that happens so easy and these things are characterized by talking for hours and hours on the phone or being endlessly creative or being alone or making 
out for hours and hours and just like, wow, sometimes I think about that and I think, wow, how, how that's, that is quite an evolution of the human body that, that hours that you could spend being, wanting to be together and physical and all those things are early years. And also the intent, the intention of wanting to know this person, setting yourself up to get to know them, all that, when you think about that, and if you snapshot ahead to eight to 10 years as responsibility grows, this is the thing that it's really a key time to say, we don't want to rely on a historical friendship. Our friendship isn't historical. It's not based on a good start. It actually has to be dynamic and it has to be about two people that are continuing to change and grow in the Lord and interacting and being shaped by a lot of things. So we have to keep getting to know each other. Like we have to, and, and our spouse actually needs to feel the intent that I'm actually worth from you wanting to get to know more. So this, this thing to us, it sounds simple. It really sounds simple. And we've been talking about this for 10 or 12 years as we've been doing these retreats. But I, it's, it's really interesting when we deliver this, as simple as it sounds, it is profound to stop and pause and go, how are you doing it being good friends to each other. It's almost like too good to hear to be true because on the other side of that is what you mentioned, this distancing is a loneliness that can happen in marriage. It's ridiculous. Like you can be around each other in the same room, but you can be more lonely than if you were literally physically alone because it's someone that you're intended to be best friends with. Yeah. So I would say and this is possible to regain. This is, this is one of the most encouraging things to hunger for and to know and to recognize and go, you know, I just think we need to be better friends. To me, actually, that's a much better invitation to your spouse than let's go start therapy for six months or let's go unpack this or let's, yeah. let's analyze this. Those things are so loaded. But we talk about how could we be a better friend? How could I be a better friend to you? What am I missing? Or what don't I know about you that that I, that you think, that I think I do, but you'd go down, maybe you don't. Like these kinds of things start leading to, it's so good to be known and loved. I think that Tim Keller says, to be seen and known and loved is our, our greatest desire. To be seen and known and not loved is our greatest fear. Yeah. And so we have the opportunity to be powerfully affirming to our spouse just by seeing and knowing and being a friend. Wow. So, Oh, I love that so much. I feel like there's so many married people nodding and just <laughs> like, I'm going to go home and just say, I was just even picturing while you were saying that, like, who are some of my best girlfriends and what kind of intention do I take to know them and to just seek to love them better? And because they're my friends, you know, like I, I love them. They're my friends. And do I ever think of Austin in that same way? And just even that, it gets my head spin- spinning in such a cool way. I love that. Okay. And so what about reconciling? Yeah. You know, we would say, Scott and I, we're really not that great at it as a human race. We're, we're, it's really actually radical what Jesus has done for us to reconcile us, to repair something that was completely broken and distant. So when we put it in that light, it's actually really not natural for us to be intentional and, and do this. And so it's really a, you know, people can be, you know, we, we spend some time, I, I'm trying to kind of back into this to make it kind of succinct, but we can say, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. You know, we go into when we talk about this, there's a lot of fake apologies, right? I'm sorry if I hurt you. I'm sorry that you took it that way. I'm sorry for whatever I said. There's all sorts of ways to sound like you're trying to be forgiven, but you're really not. You're just kind of trying to get through it. And so we have kind of upped the level, if I could encourage couples, because it's for our own good to be set free from things. That's the whole motivation is that in our oneness, again, we have this beautiful possibility of setting each other free from our shortcomings and our sin and our brokenness, but we can't shortcut it. And the more you're willing to actually engage um, real forgiveness with each other, forgiveness from how you harm one another or for how you've harmed yourself or for how you've fallen short with the Lord, but how you can be in that space together, that might be one of the most radical game changers of oneness and of the Lord in our marriages. When we include that, that cord of three, three strands is not easily broken. I think it's exercised in this space of we actually get to forgive each other and move on, but we kind of have to face it. Um, so we're kind of big on the forgiveness, some rules of engagement, we call it. Like we get a little silly sometimes when we talk, you know, we'll say, you know, so we can't, no eye poking, no knee gouging, no, you know, no, we're, we're not going to fight, but we actually can then make it actually more real. We're, Scott and I have put some rules around our arguments because there's no way in marriage that you can avoid conflict. So let's yeah. just assume it's going to happen. And so some of our rules are like, we're not going to use words like you always, you never, these absolutes that escalate things. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not we're not, we're going to hold to, and if we do do that, we say, ah, 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 can't do that. So we try to stay on point of what we're actually talking about. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ways to escalate it. So you can go, oh, it's never, you can start swearing and just let your rage and your emotion go. We don't let each other do that. When that starts going that direction, it's like, ah, 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 we're, we got to hold to it. Um, we don't storm out of the room. We don't walk away. We might say, I need 10 minutes, right? Let's come back to this in the morning. But we agree to that, but we don't just leave. So we have some rules that help us. And then we get to language. The last part is just we are committed to, if it's something where we've really landed on, and I, I don't want to paint the picture like we're doing this daily, but you know, we do this a couple times a month at our age. And sometimes we've had hard weeks where we're doing it four times in a week. And gosh, we're happy with and that week is over, but, but it is a time where like when we're working through what we really have wronged or done, it's like, we actually kind of ask each other or hold each other to, we want to say it thoroughly. So we would go the, the whole mile and say, Hey, I did that wrong. I get it. Um, I'm off. I don't know what's happening to me, but will you forgive me? So we kind of ask. So we empower the other person to set us free, which is huge. It's an opportunity in marriage that you don't get in a lot of places. Then we say, yes, I forgive you. And then we even go further with our language. Yes, I forgive you. Um, I won't let this come between us. I know this isn't you. Like we try to repair. Like once you get there, you've already done all the hard work. You might as well lavish on, you know, I see you. I know you. I know that the Lord's leading us tomorrow. I'm not going to hold this against us. Now I know that some things that are big that we have to ask forgiveness for, and that might take a while. I'm not saying this is easy, but aiming for really repairing and couples that can repair thrive and do so much better than shortcut it or bury it. Yeah. So, there you oh go. my gosh, I just like I'm fist pumping. I feel like this is just I don't feel like we hear this stuff, Jamie, and it's so good because it's the gospel at work. And I just love mm. the idea that in some way there might even be a kid that witnesses that in your home. You know, there might be a. a 
a child or a friend or someone else. And in the middle of that, maybe it's just you guys, but every once in a while, maybe there's a kid that, that does that. And if you're able to do that in your marriage, then maybe you're able to do that with your kids. And if they're able to witness that, then right. they go into the world with that kind of tool belt and man will life look so much different for them. So I love that. And the legacy that that can just kind of leave for your family too. Yeah. So, um, mm -hmm. I want, I don't want to neglect the, probably my heroes of marriage, the 15, let's say 15 years and on, um, mm -hmm. you being 30 years plus, which is just like, we need to throw you a party when we can <laughs> throw parties and just for that. But speak to speak to those people and maybe in your marriage included but is there anything along those lines as far as what you did that brought a lot of life or what you mm -hmm. um, removed yourselves from or just based off of your experience or what God has been teaching you what yeah. about that Stephen yeah well, I think this is really important uh, we talked a little bit about this before we started that even for those of you that are in a waiting posture or single and you know uh or beginning a new marriage we found that it's really kind of important to say a couple things about the long road ahead and 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 the hope and some of the things to anticipate and maybe be less surprised by when you get to this later season and maybe feel encouraged that it's possible um in our culture not a lot of people are talking thrivingly about long marriages right so um yeah i'm glad you asked and i I think first what I said, I would keep tooting the horn of building a friendship, um, feeding into that. So that means uh, as your, your kids are growing and you know, the, the emptiness stage is coming, uh, you're, getting, you're facing a different, your health is changing, your bodies are changing. There's all sorts of things that are very different from when you began this journey. And so um, praying together, playing together, find things, find reasons, find new things to do together. Sounds rather simplistic, but again, building a friendship, you'll never regret it. And it'll fortify you for what's coming because then you'll have more and more and more connection in your oneness. So I think it's really important um, for those things uh, to, to be active, uh, have uh, talk about it. How can we build? What, what haven't we um, is there anything we want to learn or grow in? Scott and I started cycling really late. He was a cyclist and, and it was, you know, late, like probably when our kids were exiting high school that I just began to dabble a little bit and found we still do to this day. And it's sometimes we go out and we're calling it a date because we're able to talk while we bike, but we do it together. We don't do everything together. We still have some things that we do with our friends, but, but finding ways that you can do meaningful things or pivotal things or good things for you together adds to your friendship. I guess I want to throw in here something that is really often not talked about helpfully. And that is um, probably around, I'd say 10 years and on, and, and then at 20 years of marriage, even more, because it seems like people are hitting, you know, maybe their forties and fifties, you know, we hear about and we joke about and we, um, we, we kind of feel an ominous feel about this midlife thing that happens, right? And a lot of us lost our parents to divorce in that time. Some of you listening are in marriages and you're wondering, I wonder how I'm going to do through that. You know, uh, it can be kind of daunting. Uh, and I guess I'd say that, um, you know, we, we were around friend groups, friends that would lose their marriage, make different choices, opt out, have affairs, 
uh, sad, painful, tragic things in church, in faith and out of faith. So these things happen in our culture. And I think it's, it's better to be prepared and be aware that those are hurdles at that stage that happen. There's a reason there's statistics, right? Because pressures right. and maybe lack of what you've added to fortify up to that point starts showing and wearing thin and becomes too much to handle for some maybe. But what I would say is um, it becomes an opportunity. I would add to that some real honesty with you all is that cultural pressures pressures for women to figure out who saying you can do it all and finding career and maybe still struggling with self-image or uh, lust and the culture uh, uh, that comes at men for their, for, and women for their appetites, their sexual appetites, their power appetites, they're all these things lead down and can get our attention in those vulnerable years in different ways that they hadn't before. And what I find is really sad is that at, in Christian culture, maybe marriage is across the board, but I think there's an opportunity that we don't know how to handle is how to share some of that honesty together. Like, where are we struggling with? And if I could, if I could stand up in front of you, I would, I, I'll see if I can paint this when we're talking to a group. A lot of times what we do is we point at each other and we say, hey, you go take care of that. You go talk to your guys, talk to a therapist or get it right with your own family, do whatever you want. There's the baggage that you're bringing into our marriage and, and I need you to deal with it with the Lord, whatever. But we kind of expect one another to go get that taken care of. Or maybe back to often, I'm just stereotyping here, maybe women have uh, control issues or things that are going on. We've raised kids. We've like pulled off a miracle in our own home and then we're trying to figure out how to be a friend, adult, adult to our spouse. And it's just really hard. Sometimes we don't do it that well. And so sometimes we hear, uh, or we get a shutdown or uh, men sometimes remove themselves from intimacy or, and then sometimes we're not that physically intimate over those years and all these things churn and burn. And we kind of say, you go, this is something you need to take care of. What I would say to you if I were standing physically in front of you, what Scott try and I try to model is the, the bigger reality is that all those things, culture, kids, uh, sex, you know, in unhealthy sex uh, uh, options that come at us from culture, control issues, all those things are actually, we're shoulder to shoulder. We're standing, not facing each other and pointing at each other. We're actually side by side, shoulder to shoulder, arms around each other, and we're pointing out at, out at all of those other things. All those other things are something that we're intended, always have been intended in our oneness to come against together, not isolated from each other, but actually say, you know what, let's, let's talk about your worry and your fret that means that we never go on a date ever for five years. Like, you know, again, stereotyping, it can go both ways, but often that's a challenge. I'm saying it extremely, but for women, but here's an option. Let's talk about that together. How can we come around that? What would it look like for me to be a friend to you now and help set us free? What are the steps we need, but coming together? Or if there's been some challenge or, or, you know, we've got pornography, we've got things coming at us in culture. What would it look like to say, this is a challenge for me. I, I don't want that, but I, we're not doing that well. How can we talk about it? And what about if we talked about that together rather than I say, you go take care of that? We've just found that there's this whole other arm and avenue. If we're willing, if we're willing to hear and cultivate a relationship where we can be honest with each other, 
that we could be a teammate to each other in fighting against those things and seeing some real results when sometimes we try to just deal with it our own, on our own and we're praying for healing and over and over and over again. It's actually our spouse that's in our life to help us do that. And we, we avoid it. We can't handle it sometimes with each other. But I would encourage you that if you could, if you would, to not be threatened by that. But there's so much freedom in seeing those things lessen because you're unified together against them. It takes a lot of courage. It's not a shortcut, but it's worth it. Wow. That just is an amazing picture. When you were talking about that specifically, I just thought of Moses when he's praying over the battle his arms are getting tired and then um Aaron and her come and just lift up his arms and they're the ones that are even though he's doing the main fighting in prayer over Israel and then winning I just love the idea that along with the Holy Spirit that your spouse is right next to you holding you up so that that can be something that you can fight together I I think that's something that I'm going to take away honestly Jamie is just that mm -hmm. picture and how easy it is because blame feels so good in the moment to just kind of point the finger when yeah. you have all the dirt on one person. Like, who do you have more dirt on than your spouse? Like, it's right. so easy to point the finger and blame. But right. to know that there is an incredible third way that God always makes for us and that that could look like even more oneness mm -hmm. and battling that together, I think that's something that yeah. is really hopeful, really hopeful for mm -hmm. all of us, no matter what season we're in, in marriage or pre-marriage. Um, but thank you for that. And thank you for all your wisdom. I just could listen to you for hours oh. and I might just like make you talk more or at least have you back for part two. Oh. But I just would love for you to pray to close us. Would you pray for the marriages that are represented just listening and um, whatever it is that God puts on your heart, but pray for them and just, um, yeah, close us in that way. I don't think there's a better way than that. Mm. I'm happy to. Thank you for having me too. This is an honor. So Father God, uh, Lord Jesus, we come to you humbly and I pray for, I, li I lift us up to you. I don't know who, who's listening, whether we, I, I pray for our single friends, our um, young married, our middle marriage, our long-term married. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would encourage us first at the, our significance and our worth, how, how one of a kind each one is here. Um, I pray that would just be so deeply rooted that, that, that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that we're loved, even in our imperfection and failure, and maybe even more so that you, you just love us, love us, love us, and let that inform everything. I pray for marriages. Uh, at all stages, all seasons. I pray that that hope, that that itch, that discomfort, Lord, that that you would, that your Holy Spirit would have us kind of be relentless there, that we'd share a, our hopes and dreams with our spouse, that we'd that we'd come at it not with blame, but just with real a real hope of how we can be a great friend and how we can help our spouse be a friend to us and believe, Lord. I pray for belief, that your Holy Spirit would give hope and belief and wonder what could our marriage look like in the next season? What could we grow to? I pray you'd just give hope. I pray you'd open up communication. You'd take away old patterns that haven't helped, that you'd re free and release those listening from shame or guilt or 
sadness or loneliness and, and renew and refresh spaces, Lord, that you intend for good, for, for your oneness to, to be joined and make them very powerful together. Marriage is so powerful, Lord. The oneness you've given us is really something that the world needs. We need it and the world needs it. It's you're totally invested. You're all in to this with us. And so help us trust that and know that you're for us and that you're with us. And uh, uh, yeah, I pray over hope and encouragement right now and that there is more coming. You're not done. The story's not over. We're in a season and you're ready to, to help and, 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 assist us into thriving that's your heart for us and all things are possible with you so bless us now and to be believing in jesus name amen thank the lord for jamie lasea am i right man i hope that you if you are married or you are desiring to be married one day that this episode met you exactly where you are and as a result you can't wait to implement some of the amazing wisdom and knowledge that was brought here to us today i know that what she said about friendship and that being the cornerstone the main foundation to any good marriage was such a beautiful wake-up call because I will call Austin my best friend and I know that about him but to be able to continue to invest in our marriage in that very specific and tangible way has changed the game for me in the last couple weeks you guys I'm so thankful for women like this that can point us not only towards Jesus but back towards the spouse that we chose for forever Wherever you are in this marriage journey, know that I am specifically praying for you today. Just in the same way, I'm echoing what Jamie said and asking God to do a new thing in you, in your spouse, in your marriage, or in you specifically where you are waiting and anticipating for whoever that person may be. If you are someone that listened to this all the way through and you do not desire to be married, I see you and way to go. Paul knew what was up. And I think there's something to that too, you guys. So know that you are seen, you are loved, you're so welcome here. And thanks for listening to this to be able to just understand your married friends even better. But I am available to you. You can find me on Instagram or at my website. Both are kristenstockfish.com, kristenstockfish on Instagram. And I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed now. I recorded this a little bit late. So if I'm stumbling over my words, that's why. I invite you into this, guys. I invite you into the weakness, into the tiredness, into all the things that are less than perfect. But thank the Lord that we serve a God who is completely perfect because it gives us the opportunity to not have to be. So as one woman who loves Jesus to another, know that I'm for you, I'm with you, I'm praying for you, and I love you big. Talk to you soon.